Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, hey everybody, I just want to say again, no matter where you are, no matter when you're watching this, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for welcoming me into your routine, into your place. I do not take it for granted. So we're in this series called Revival, and I think in part, it's a response to this spirit that I see kind of spreading around our culture today. I would call it fatalistic resignation, which is just this shoulder shrug that says, man, it's never going to be better than it is right now, that our best days are behind us. And of course, the absolute opposite is true. There's a revival coming. And I really believe that the revival is going to start inside of me and inside of you. That's really interesting, isn't it? Actually, when you think about it. Because often when we think about revival, we think, man, God, God, would you please change the circumstances? But, but you know what's crazy? Is that changed circumstances have never changed a person. Have you ever thought about that? Like changed circumstances have never once changed a person. But changed people change circumstances. For changed people, circumstances become secondary to the work that God's doing inside of them. And then they step out of that and they change the circumstances around them. That's how this revival is going to happen. And that's why last week we talked about the fact that if we get up to the 30,000 foot level and look at revival that way, man, it can be a lot. Generations and and, and movement and God taking a, a whole wave of people and changing the world. But that's not really our job. We're going to let God handle the 30,000 foot thing. We're going to go down to the ground level and see at the ground level, revival is really simple because revival just happens one life, one story at a time. And what I'm suggesting to you and me right now is that it starts inside of me and it starts inside of you. Well, today I want to talk about why ground level revival really matters with a personal story from my life. So when I was growing up, I called my mom's mom and dad, my nanny and grandpa, and they had a farm right here in the Fraser Valley of BC. So a couple times a year, at least my mom and dad would load my little sister Delaine and me into the car and we would make the 12 hour trip across the Rocky mountains to my nanny and grandpa's farm in the Fraser Valley. Now I know there was an ad campaign a few years ago that said Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Not for me, for me growing up, the happiest place on earth was that farm out here in the Fraser Valley. If I close my eyes, I can still remember the smell of that old farmhouse. It smelled like outside and sunshine and clean laundry, good food and happiness. I remember every morning we would wake up and my little sister and I would go help my grandpa in the barn. While he was milking the cows, we might try to help a little bit, but usually we ended up in the hayloft swinging on the rope swing. If he had calves, he would give us these big metal buckets and we'd be able to feed the calves. And after the barn, we'd come back in for breakfast. Breakfast was awesome. My nanny would always make sure that there was good kid cereal, you know, Fruit Loops and Frosted Flakes and Golden Grahams, but that wasn't the best breakfast. The breakfast that I really remember from my nanny and grandpa's house. Uh, You need to try it this week, by the way. Here's what you do. You take a piece of bread and you put cheese whiz on the bread. Then you take the bread with the cheese whiz on it and you put the whole thing in the toaster oven until the entire thing is golden brown. Honestly, it's incredible. But then after breakfast, we would head out to the field. Just my grandpa, my little sister, and me. You know, looking back, I got to tell you that out of all the people that I have ever known to this present day, my grandpa had more personality than any of them. 
man, when he would tell stories, we were just like glued to everything he had to say, hanging on every word. One day he showed Delane and I how we could take a piece of grass and put it between our hands and then blow into our hands and, and make this sound that would make the cows like gather from all corners of the field. And it actually worked. I remember we'd be driving on the tractor with him and he, he'd say, you know what? My tractor knows where to go. He'd take off his hands off the wheel and put his hands like this. And literally that tractor would go exactly where it needed to go. Now in hindsight, I know that was, that was because there was like foot deep ruts. But at the time I was just mesmerized. Like long before Elon Musk came around, my grandpa invented self-driving tractors. And I got to tell you, like looking back now, I would say that my grandpa is the funniest person I've ever met, like including to this day. So many jokes, always. So many long running jokes. I'll give you one of them. So let's say we were out in the fields and we were moving irrigation pipes from one part of the field to the other. So you go and you shut the pump off, you disconnect the pipes and then you move them to the other part of the field. So we would get an entire field done and we'd be walking along and my grandpa would say to me, Mike, I'm so sorry. I'd be like, what are you sorry for grandpa? He'd say, well, those pipes were way too heavy for you. Like maybe next year you'll be big enough to, to haul them, but they were just too big. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have asked you to do that. I'd say, grandpa, it wasn't too bad. Like I, I'm, I'm strong enough. He'd say, oh no, I can tell you're not. Like you're so exhausted right now. You're so tired. You're completely spent. I'm like, grandpa, I'm not even that tired. He'd be like, you are, I can tell. Like, okay, I'll give you a test. Just whistle. Because if you can't whistle, that means I pushed you way too hard and you're so tired. But if you can whistle, maybe it is fine. Well, here's what my grandpa knew. I couldn't whistle, okay? Like, it's embarrassing how old I was by the time I finally figured out how to whistle. He knew I couldn't whistle. So I'm like, grandpa, I can't whistle. He said, I know, I'm so sorry, you're exhausted. I'm like, no. So I eventually try to whistle and I couldn't whistle. And he said, don't tell your mom, I pushed you way too hard. So the whole time they were walking from the field to the barn, I'd be trying and trying and trying to whistle. And then as we were walking, all of a sudden he'd stop, he'd giggle, he'd squeeze my knee and say, Mikey, Mikey, you're easily strong enough to handle those pipes. Good job. I remember for the rest of the walk back to the barn, it was like I was walking on air. I felt this sense of encouragement and hope and future. And a few times when we were there, it was time to bring all the hay bales out from the field uh, and, and get them into the barn. And so a bunch of people from the farms around would come and help my grandpa. And one person would drive the tractor with a hay wagon behind it. And then a few people were on the hay wagon stacking bales. But the rest of us, we just ran around the field and chucked hay onto the hay wagon. Now, I was the littlest one out there. But I, I gave it everything I had. I don't think I accomplished a whole lot, but I think it was like the hardest work that I'd ever done. And it was so awesome when I heard my nanny come out and say, okay, everybody, it's time to take a break. And so we headed into the old farmhouse and she had coffee and water and seven up and raspberry juice. To this day, the best juice I've ever tasted was my nanny's homemade raspberry juice. Cookies and cake. And I remember just sitting there and everybody was laughing and enjoying each other's company. And I was just mesmerized by these amazing stories and these hilarious jokes. But I gotta tell you of all the stories, the most amazing stories were the ones that my grandpa told and the most hilarious jokes were the ones that my grandpa told. And as I looked around the table, I would always realize that everybody around the table loved and respected my grandpa, just like I did. Well, then the break was over. It was time to go back out into the field and until finally all the bales were out of the field and up into the hayloft. Now, I remember one particular moment. We're walking back from the barn to the house 
everything's done for the day. And my grandpa looked at me and he said, Mikey, Mikey, you did a good job out there today. And here's the thing. I knew that I probably picked up less bales than anyone else in the field, but I also knew that I gave it my all. So I looked at my grandpa and I said, well, grandpa, I, I tried my best. And then he said, um, I wouldn't have wanted, I wouldn't have wanted to do it without you, Mikey. And he pulled some money out of his pocket. And I want you to think about that because that meant that that money had been in his pocket all day. And he handed it to me. I don't even remember how much it was. That's not even the point. The point was I was walking on air. I felt this sense of encouragement and hope and future. I just remember around the farmhouse, dinners were the best. We'd all gather around. There was always plenty of food, always featuring, almost every dinner was featuring my nanny's homemade applesauce, which was incredible. And for dessert, we would almost always have vanilla ice cream with some kind of fruit on top of it. And I would just sit there as my mom and my dad and my nanny and grandpa would talk until finally they noticed that Delaine and I were still up and they sent us off to bed and my bedroom was downstairs. And I remember there would be lots of nights that I would sneak back up the stairs and I would hide just out of sight and I would listen to my mom and my dad and my nanny and grandpa talk. And I got this sense of family and legacy and security and love. You know, years and years later, I remember my best buddy Grant and me, we took a big road trip, epic road trip. We went from Red Deer to Banff to Kelowna to Penticton to Vancouver. And I, if I had to give a mission statement to the entire road trip, it would have been this, do bad stuff. Okay, so that was basically the mission statement, except there was one good thing that we did. When we got to the Fraser Valley, I said to Grant, we got to see my nanny and grandpa. And so we pulled in, I'm sure it was unannounced. And my nanny put out the seven up and the raspberry juice and the cookies and the cake. And we sat there and we talked and I was just so proud of them. A couple years later, when Corinne and I started dating at Trinity Western University in Langley, it wasn't long. It was probably a couple weeks after we started dating. I brought her out to meet my nanny and grandpa and they loved her right away. And she loved them. And that meant so much. After Corinne and I got married, we named our first child, Victoria K. Manis. And we named her Kay after my nanny. And I was really glad that we honored that way because not long after Tori was born, my nanny got really sick and then eventually she died. And right around that same time, my grandpa got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And at first we noticed that he just didn't remember the kind of stuff that he had rem remembered before, but eventually he didn't remember anything and he didn't even recognize us. And he went to this care facility with other people who had Alzheimer's and you would walk in and see him and he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't make eye contact. And it was amazing because the person who had more personality than anyone that I had ever met in my entire life up until this day, it was like his personality was gone. The funniest person that I've ever met, he wasn't laughing anymore. And I remember the last time I ever saw my grandpa, I was 25 years old. My mom and dad and me took him to Dairy Queen to get an ice cream cone. And you got to remember, like, it had been so long since he remembered or recognized anyone. And we were sitting there eating ice cream, and I was sitting beside him on this picnic table outside. And I noticed that he was looking at me, so I looked over at him. And as I looked at him, our eyes met, and it was like this fog lifted from his eyes. And he said to me, 
Mikey, Mikey, look how big you are. I still remember when you were just this tall. Everything got real quiet and I looked at him and he looked at me and then the fog came back and he looked away and not long after that, he died. I get kind of emotional still when I tell that story because it's such a reminder to me of the juxtaposition that is life at ground level on this planet. Like there's all kinds of beautiful, right? Like when I think about my grandpa's life and my grandpa's sense of humor and his personality and his encouragement and his legacy, that's so beautiful. But when I think about the way that his story on this planet ended, that's kind of ugly. But that's life on ground level. It's beautiful and it's ugly. It's victory and it's defeat. It's rejoicing, but it's also mourning. And what I want to submit to you is that that juxtaposition of, of life on ground level, I believe that it calls to us deep from inside of us. I believe it calls us to something more. Like I would suggest that the best moments that we experience in this life, like just walking onto my grandparents' farm, there's something about that that calls me to more, that there's a taste of something that I want to find more of. I want to experience more of. And I would also suggest that the ugliness in this world calls us to more also, that there's something deep down inside of you, that deep down inside of me that says, come on, man, there's got to be more than this because this isn't right. And I would further suggest to you that that call is a spiritual call. And it has its answer in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who stepped into human history. Last week, I talked about the the night Jesus was born. The angels announced his birth by saying this way. Tonight, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for everybody, for everybody. And today, I want to go two more chapters further in the gospel of Luke, because this is the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. And he used as his core text, a passage out of the old Testament, Isaiah chapter 61. It says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And I think about that a lot. There's something about that passage that speaks to me so deeply of this ground level life that we're living right now. Like I think about that phrase, beauty instead of ashes, beauty instead of ashes. And isn't that kind of the hope? And I I really think it starts in the soul. It starts in your soul and it starts in my soul. It starts deep down inside of us. Right, because I, I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Sometimes we, we wait around for revival, and we and we want revival to be like change my circumstances, God. But the truth is, change circumstances don't change a person, but change people change circumstances. Let, let me put that another way. I told you earlier that 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 little farm in the Fraser Valley that for me it was the happiest place on earth. Why was that? Was it just the the setting? Was it the color of the grass? Was it the smell of the farmhouse? Maybe a little bit, but what was it really? It was my nanny and grandpa. Changed people. 
ground level revival starts with changed people. And, and so when I think about that beauty instead of ashes, beauty instead of ashes, think about that. So, so when a lost person becomes a found person, when we go from lost to found, it's so beautiful because this person was lost. They couldn't find hope and they couldn't find a future, but, but, but then they can. And that foundness, that experience of seeing hope and seeing a future is all the more profound because we remember what it was to be lost. Or there's a person and they're walking through life under this heavy burden of regret and, and shame and the baggage of the sins of their past. And one day they meet Jesus and Jesus takes that burden off of them and they live freely and lightly. And that freedom is so much more profound because they remember life under that heavy burden or broken people become whole, right? Stitch by stitch, little by little, they go from a place of brokenness to a place of healing. And that healing is so much more beautiful because they remember what it was to be broken. Beauty instead of ashes. That's ground level revival, you guys, and we all need it. And it starts inside of us, but it doesn't end there. First of all, I really do believe that God uses changed people to change circumstances. I really believe the revival is going to start as he changes us, as he gives us a renewed sense of hope, a renewed sense of future, a renewed sense of optimism, a renewed sense of the best is yet to come. But it doesn't even end there. See, one day Jesus is going to come back. And when he does, the Bible says he's going to make all things new. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be no more tears and no more mourning and no more Alzheimer's and no more decay and no more death. A new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to go there one day. And for me, I think about that sometimes. I think about being there just on the other side of eternity. I think the first person who's going to greet me is going to be Jesus. And by his grace and by his mercy and by his righteousness, he's going to look at me and he's going to look at you and he's going to say, well done. Can you believe that? And I think among the next people that I'm going to see, I think I'm going to see my grandpa. New body, new mind, completely renewed. And he's going to say, Mikey, Mikey, welcome home. And it's weird too, because I think when I see him, I'm going to notice the similarities between the first one who greeted me, Jesus and my grandpa. And I'm going to know that that encouragement and that love and that hope that he gave me, that ultimately those were things that even though I never knew it, they were pointing me towards Jesus all along. You get it? Beauty for ashes. Ground level revival starts in the inside. And I love it. I'm so excited about this life that we're living, but I'm also excited about one day, just on the other side of eternity. I want to, I want to introduce you to my nanny and grandpa. I want to show you that old farmhouse. And I, I want you to tell me if it doesn't smell like sunshine and outside and happiness. I want to sit down. I want to have some of that raspberry juice and just talk and laugh. And remember that the best is always yet to come. Ground level revival. It matters. And it starts on the inside. And just as I close today, I want to ask you if, if you've had like that soul level revival yet. See, Jesus stepped into human history for you and for me. And he died so that we don't have to carry around a heavy burden of regret. He rose again so that we can have the power to continually step into something better, into hope and a future but it starts on the inside and it starts with asking Jesus to, to redeem us, to transform us. 
He's already done the work. All we need to do is accept that free gift that he purchased through his death and resurrection. So if you've never done that, man, I would love it. No matter where you are, no matter where you're listening, when you're listening, I would love it if you would do that right now. It's your first step. It's ground level revival and it means everything. So I'm going to pray and I just invite you to pray along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you died and rose again. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son. Today, I accept your son, Jesus, as my savior. I pray that you would forgive every one of my sins and help me to live freely and lightly without the weight of my regrets. And today, I invite you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life, that you would give me the strength to follow you into better, into the best is yet to come. Starting here on the ground level with eternity ahead of us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen, man. If you, if you prayed that for the first time, that's amazing. I would love to support you. I would just ask you to text the keyword life, L-I-F-E to 604-670-3040. We're not going to stalk you, but we just want to support you because this whole